Oi, Pete here, and welcome to EdTech Innovators. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast, but I'm not sure if I've got anything to say, or how to go about it, or why I should do one, or what people would think of me? Well, Phil Pelucha will put you right on all of these. By the end of this, you'll be inspired, and that's a promise. Enjoy! Hello, Phil Pelucha. Really great to see you. Hello, mate. Thank you so much for having me. Absolute pleasure. So what I'd like to start by, um, if, if you can explain what billionaires in boxes means. It sounds amazing, but uh, <laughs> what exactly does it mean? Uh, so billionaires in boxes is the name of our entrepreneurial uh, broadcasting network. Uh, we particularly use podcasting. So I've been podcasting for about 10 years using monetized podcasting to grow my business, different businesses, sell a couple of sports brands. Um, but we've been using it and coaching it for about six or seven years, teaching people how to fuel sales pipelines, business development, reduce recruitment costs, improve awards, get speaking engagements, you name it. I mean, it can pretty much do everything. So um, Billionaires in Boxes is the new form for it. It's all kind of come together. It was... Um, it was the name for the radio show and then subsequently the TV show that goes out across 30 million homes across Africa, which is pretty awesome. Um, it's essentially Napoleon Hill meets podcasting. It's not me. It's not what I know. It's about my ability to talk to people and figure out what they know right. um, so, that we, so that we can all learn together. And uh, every day is a school day, as they say. Yeah, that's great to hear. Um, well, I mean, before we go any further with the podcasting enterprise, um, mm. the podcasting lends itself to you know global uh, distribution, of course. But mm -hmm. you're something of a traveller yourself, aren't you? So can you talk about that? Yeah, uh, I I didn't leave the UK until I was eighteen. Um, just from the family I grew up in, it was wasn't an option. Um, and when I started to travel abroad, I realized that there was a much bigger world out there that I hadn't explored. And every time I went somewhere, it, uh, I think the best way to describe it is it, it would, it would smash a preconception. You know, I would, I would, I would have this thought that I was convinced was right about a place or about a group of people. And then I'd have that completely smashed to pieces. Mm. And it almost became a bit of an addiction to see what else I was wrong about. Right. <laughs> um, and, and I, I went traveling and I love traveling and I truly believe that that was something I was supposed to be doing. And, and, but the thing was, I did, because I hadn't come from sort of a silver spoon in my mouth background, when I say traveling, I don't mean like the gap year to Australia where mommy and daddy paid for me to go to the Great Barrier Reef. Mm. I mean, move to a country you've never been to with enough money to last you for the next four weeks, mm. get a job, work, progress, learn, live, um, just immerse yourself in different cultures. And I you know we were saying off air before um, I met my wife in South Africa. She, she's uh, South African Indian. And, you know, we lived like 9,000 kilometers away for most of our lives. So um, we, we met for a reason. Yeah. I think it's meant to be, of course. Yeah. So you, you make a decision usually to quite impulsively, would you say, to, to just move somewhere and try and get a job somehow and figure it all out and, it, it, it would always be based on a feeling. So I wouldn't just kind of like throw a dart at a map and go, right, that's where I'm going. It would, there would always be a reason why I was going somewhere. It wouldn't necessarily be a good reason, um, but, it, but it, would be, it would be a reason. Um, I, I'm trying to think of an example, but like when I, well, when I moved to Hungary, for example, 
I'm not necessarily sure I did any research whatsoever on Hungary or the political climate or currency or anything, actually. I don't think I did. I don't think I looked at anything and it just shows my age other than the price of beer. Um, I think I probably looked at the price of restaurants as well. So I knew what I was eating and drinking. And then, and then based on the fact that I could get a beer for what was essentially 65 pence at the time, which is about 300 foreign. Um, I was like, this is amazing. I could save a fortune just on booze alone. Let's live there. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, yeah, look, I absolutely fell in love with the place anyway. And I was, I was playing for a team out there. So I was really blessed to be there, but you know, a lot of the time it is like that. It's, you know, I'll look at somewhere and I'll say, that looks interesting. Let's go and do that for a bit. And despite having young children, you haven't lost all of that spontaneity, have you? No, not at all. So we, we made a decision um, very early on, my wife and I, that, you know, as I was saying, so I'm from the UK and she's from South Africa. So already where, where is home? Where's the base? Mm. Um, you know, if we were to decide, okay, well, let's live the, air quotation, normal life um, and and go on holiday four weeks of the year and, you know, the rest of the time you're, you're living in one place, where would that place be? Because, you know, we've got family 9,000 kilometers apart. And in fact, make it worse still, my sister, who my daughter is also very close to, lives in Perth in Australia. So there's another one. So now we've just got a massive triangle that basically takes up the whole world. Mm. Um, so we don't like being in one place at one, for, for, for too long. Um, we, we had no idea what we wanted to do with education, for example, because as you well know, in the UK, children start school sort of as young as four, they're all in school sort of by the age of five. Um, in South Africa, they don't start that level of sort of preschool until seven. Um, they're, they're, you know, I almost see it as they're allowed to be children for longer. Um, which I think is quite nice because they get to learn a lot more through play and all that kind of stuff, which I think is really important. I think giving kids time to be kids is, is crucial. Mm. Um, and I love that. But then I also recognize that the British education system was of a better standard than the South African education system. Nice. Okay. So we were like, well, what do you do with this? And the, the conclusion came, well, why don't we teach them the British curriculum? But we'll teach them. We'll do homeschool. I mean, we're not talking about doing this all the way through high school and college, but, you know, between the two of us, we've certainly got enough to be able to do primary school. Um, especially with the resources and support that's out there. And, you know, there, there are some credible networks out there that can really guide you through all of this as well. And That's interesting that you thought that the, that the learning culture in South, Africa, in South Africa was in some way superior to Britain, but the, the infrastructure was, was inferior. I, I, do you know what? The, the perfect mix would have been if you could have the British curriculum taught but allowed children to start at the age of seven or eight so they've had more time be children i'd be a huge fan of that i think that would be really important um, i'm also not a big fan of and that's why i like countries that don't particularly sort of put strenuous exams on children before a certain age as well i think you know i know they've done, done away with them a lot now but i remember when i was in school i mean we'd done what was it two or three lots of sats before you'd even left primary school mm. you know and every one was like life or death like you've, you've got to get that those fives you've got to get those sixes otherwise you're not going to get put in good grades in high school and rah, 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 rah. yeah and it's just such a necessary pressure for children it's just i never like that their personal development is it really or their, their emotional develop, development development no i should say no not at all and in fact you know 
the reason I, 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 I mean, I was grateful to speak to you anyway, but the reason I wanted to come on, on the show in particular was we do a lot of work with schools and educational establishments and especially governments at the moment regarding education. And the reason for that is that, you know, I, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people of all different sizes and abilities from different cultures. And one of the things that you often have to do is retrain. And training is far easier than retraining. And when I say retrain, it's often a mindset thing. So it's like, well, that won't work for me because. And it's like, well, I can give you a thousand reasons why it will with evidence of who it's working for. So I haven't got enough time. Exactly. A hundred percent. It's like, fine, we've got a dump for you service there. Next excuse. You know, it's, it's like, and it, and it is, it's literally that simple. And it's like, okay, so do you want me to teach you how to do it? You can do it yourself if you're that kind of person. Do you want me to mentor you and help you get a team set up around you so you can do it? Or do you want me to just do it with my team for you? Either way, you should be doing this. Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I always say that because we have to retrain them, I wonder what age that happens. So, you know, we're, we're working with people, anything from their early 20s in startups right the way into their 50s and 60s. I'd say the bulk of people we work with are probably in their 30s and 40s. Mm. Um, and there is always an element of retraining. There's an element of, of, oh, well, my friend says that you can't monetize podcasting. Well, your friend's wrong. Um, so don't take that piece of advice with you. Um, and what we're trying to do with the educational establishments is say to them, okay, so when does that happen? And can we empower the next generation of entrepreneurs with this information so that they don't have to relearn it in their 30s and 40s? They've got that information from the age of 15 onwards. Mm. what can they do with that so this this is really interesting because it's a it's a meta podcast today isn't it it's a, it's a podcast about podcasting so yeah. give us without giving everything away for free of course mm. Bill, give some examples of how uh, you can monetize i was going to say easily but that's not the right word but how you can monetize a podcast it, it is easy to monetize it's really easy to monetize so there's different ways of monetizing it i think is the first thing that i would say so obviously there's advertising and sponsorship that's relevant to your audience. So you have to build an audience. So to build an audience, you have to add value. How are you gonna add value? What is it, what problem is it that they want a solution for? And this is how it works. It's just like water, it's just like growing a plant, right? Plant is seed in the ground, it needs daylight and it needs water. Water is the guest in terms of who's coming on the show and how do they add value. And the sunlight is the audience. So who has an audience that would be interested in what you're talking about? How can you get them involved in a piece of content and share each other's audience? That's what this whole thing is about. You know, I'll bring my 5,000 listeners. You bring your 200 listeners. I'll end up having another 150 listeners off the back end. And you might get another 500. So you've now grown as well. Congratulations. Everybody wins. Mm. Um, and so that's definitely... a. a a great way of doing it we were talking off air as well weren't we about um the example of of how i started to grow mine for my businesses mm. um it, and it's such an easy way of doing it um make a list of the top 100 clients that you would love to work with right the people who would be your dream clients you know your ideal customer avatar all that kind of stuff and map it out one to 100 in terms of priority mm. We then have a blueprint, which if you're on the mentorship program, we'll teach you. If you're on the dumb few service, we'll just do it for you. Where we will go with a really high conversion rate and approach those people, those CEOs, those decision makers from those businesses 
and invite them onto a show with you. And you're usually going to ask them a handful of questions. It's whatever you feel most comfortable with. But the two salient points are always, who are you? Did you get to where you are? And what's your business doing and where's it going? And the reason it's those two questions is everybody loves to talk about themselves. So that takes off point number one. And they're paid to tell you about their business. So that takes off point number two. So that's a piece of content that's getting done every day of the week. Mm. Now, let's just say that only half of them say yes. That's highly unlikely. But let's say half of them say yes. You've now got 50 CEOs of your dream clients lined up to do a podcast with you. Are you not confident in your own ability to make something happen out of those relationships? Mm. You're going to be spending... 30, 45, 60 minutes with these people, building a relationship, having a conversation about them and their career, mm. seeing what resonates and what doesn't. Mm. Um, it, I mean, that alone is a great way of monetizing it. <laughs> it, it really is. And, and I've noticed since I've been doing my, so this is about the 30th episode now, as I started in January. And I've noticed that I, I think 100% of the people who I've asked to be on the podcast have said yes. And that's yep. not because I'm really persuasive. It's because as you said before, people like to talk about themselves, don't they? So why would they? Yeah. Of course. Well, look, I mean, the thing with the podcast is, and you'll realize this as well. I mean, we, we obviously met on matchmaker.fm, big plug for them. They're awesome. But um, podcasters really look out for each other as well, because we're all really sociable, information, knowledge, hungry people. So yeah. as a collective, as a group of people, you know, I find podcasters to be incredibly helpful. So, I like to speak to other podcasters and say, who else do you interview? Who else are you talking to? You know, who else do you know that can help me with this? And then I'll bring in some people and then that, listen, I'll email you my five. You do me an introduction to these two. That'd be great. And we've grown again. So that one piece of content where you and I right now are building a relationship, who knows how many of nine listeners are listening to this? Who knows how many of your listeners are listening to this? Some people will be listening, thinking this is nonsense. It can't be done. Other people will be having the light bulb moment and they'll be going, whoa, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Mm. Either way, we're creating that. And at the end of this, exchange some more details. And guess what? You've now got another three or four amazing guests that you should be interviewing on your podcast that I'm going to introduce you to. Yeah, That's I a win-win scenario. Bounce some ideas around about the <laughs> negativity that you, that you counter, that you attack, if you like. So I, I must, I, we talked before about uh, retraining people and people saying, you know, I haven't got time for this, I'm too old for this, or you know, I've, yep. I've lost my mojo. But, um, but I'd imagine you hear quite a lot, but well, I don't know how to get started. You know, I don't yep. know, I've got nothing to say. Uh, yeah, all the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, I would, start, I would start off with my advice, and, and that's the, it's not all about you. So of course it isn't. Well, well, that's exactly my point. So, so you, you've just hit one nail on the head. So one of the things I always say back to people is, okay, if I was to create a networking event and I was to put you know, 50 CEOs of your top companies in that room, would you run out of things to say? Would you run out of conversations to have? Would you run out of questions to ask? And it'd be like, no, never. It's like, what makes you think that this is any different? That's just that, you know, I always say, you put amazing people in a room together, amazing things happen. All I'm doing is showing you how to use that room digitally in a way that everybody benefits from it in this great organic win-win situation. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, so that, that would be the first point I'd say. The second point I'd say is when people say, oh, I don't know how to get started and how many shows should I release and how many listeners is, is, is enough to carry on. And all right, well, let me just quick fire answer those for you. Um, how many times a week should you release a podcast as long as it continues to add value? There's the answer. If it only adds value once a month, release it once a month. If you can add value for an hour every day, do that. Mm. But stop doing it when it stops adding value, okay? 
how many listeners should you have to consider it a success? Well, the reality is if you just use that method that I've just told you about inviting 100 clients onto the show, you're using that as a business development tool. So in reality, you don't care how many listeners you've got. That's, that's a byproduct at this point. You may well be able to give them some great knowledge and impart some wisdom from that conversation. But that was always my attitude with my business podcast. It was like, if anybody else is listening to this, they're also going to be learning from it. But I really don't care if you're listening to it or not, because I've still won 10 new clients out of this and I've had to scale my team from just me to 25 people globally because this is working. So if you cotton onto that and jump on this too, good for you. If you don't, I'm still sleeping okay. Yeah, and I think just to pick up on a few of those things, uh, a couple of those things, I mean, numbers of listeners is quite a crude metric, isn't it? Because when, when yes. you think about the other metrics that are flying around, like, like obviously, you know, organic reach of your social profiles and so on, um, yep. it doesn't really mean a great deal, does it? But uh, it's, it's about no. your guess and what happens from it. Well, it's, it's the old adage of, you know, you, you don't need to be famous for everybody. You only need to be famous for 500 people. I'd rather have 50 listeners who love my show and love my brand and want to engage with me than 5,000 listeners that think I'm an idiot and don't, and don't know why they're listening to it. Yes. Um, you know, or just, yeah, just listening in the background while they're making dinner or something. They're never going to be engaged in the brand. They just think it's half, half a decent listen. Mm. Um, you know, I would much rather have much more valuable people coming on. So I, I, I do that all the time. So we do this webinar thing, for example, when people want to learn about what we do. Um, and we used to have loads of people coming to it. So I started charging for it. I started charging $25 for it. And I actually give them $30 worth of stuff in the thing. It's just $25 to say, you, can't, if, you know, buy into yourself. Show me that you're serious about learning this stuff because I don't want to talk to myself. Like I'm, I'm. Listen, if you're getting this and you want to build from this, I'm. I'll give you all the time in the world because I love this stuff. Mm. Don't make me talk to myself. You know, I've got, I've got kids to go play with. If you're not listening, I'm mm. go do that because you know I want to spend time with my kids. Um, yeah, another thing is the the idea of the long tail, isn't it? That it doesn't really matter if you, if you're not having you know, millions of listeners in the first few weeks. It just builds and builds and builds in in this uh, sort of exponential way to it. I don't know if it's literally exponential, but, but it really just a uh, snowball, isn't it? It can be quite quick as well. So, I mean, I, I often talk about perception of credibility. Um, so if you Google whatever it is that you do and you come up as the first two pages of Google, you know, half of it is you interviewing experts in, in the field and coming onto your podcast. And the others are you being a guest on other people's podcasts, showing what you can do and showcasing your expertise. You know, guess what? whether you are or whether you're not, you're number one <laughs> because you're the one that they can see everywhere. Mm. Um, and if you, you know, ever, how many times have people got to tell you content is king? Mm. And half the battle that people have with that is, well, what content do I create? Do I just stand and do this really awkward style stealthy video? So let me tell you this. I'm terrible one-on-one -on -one to camera. Like really, really bad. Like I'm not, not cool with it at all. Podcast conversation like this, I'll talk all day, every day. All day to the point where when we now record our training courses, they recorded in podcast style because I give so much more information because I'm so much more natural in this setting than I am so staring at a camera like, oh, yeah. how long have I been talking for now? Yeah. Um, so content is king. In, yeah. And you're in that same position where you're thinking, I don't want to create that. This is a phenomenal platform to do it. As you just said, mm. it's long, it's long form. It stays, it's evergreen. It's always there. It's, it's phenomenal. I, I mean, I, what, what do you mean to say? It's, it's changed my life. I love it. 
Yeah, and, and everyone should. Uh, I just noticed that I started putting podcasts out once. Well, it had to be every Tuesday at four o'clock, otherwise it didn't, it didn't happen. I thought, I haven't got that momentum. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And then you just can't, it shouldn't look back. I've just thought, of, right, well, don't don't overthink it. Just put it yeah. out and see what happens. And, 100%. And all of these other skills and, and I, networking things, there's so many positive things start happening, loads of them. Incredible. When did you realize that you're onto a winner then with this? About six or seven years ago when nobody else cared about any of my other businesses, they just wanted this bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I was, I, I, it was interesting because I had, I was having to turn away what were quite lucrative deals. Mm. And as a business owner, that felt really counterproductive. And the reason I was having to turn them away was they were competitors. So I had an ad agency and I had a, a service agency, a recruitment agency. And I had competitors for both coming to me saying, teach us that. And I'm like, I can't teach you, can I? Because then I'm just leveling my own playing field. That's a really bad idea. But what had happened was I found myself in a position that I didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't really enjoying what I was doing. So about two years ago, I slowly started to close down the ad agency and I moved away from it. Other people are running that now, nothing to do with me. Um, the recruitment agency actually was on its dying embers, but coronavirus completely killed it because I was doing some long-term projects for two clients, just helping them on the side with some bits. Uh, and then both of them came into difficulty when this happened and that was game over for that. So about six or seven years ago, people started to come to me and say, will you mentor us? Will you teach us that? Will you show us how to do it? And I started to do it in more and more sectors. So we've now done it in more than 50 sectors and 50 locations. Mm. Um, and I've done one refund in that six, seven year period. Um, and that one person, I, I quite like the story actually, because that one person just didn't do the work and I was really worried it was going to damage my figures and stuff. So I gave them the money back. So I technically kind of said, off you go. So I gave them the money back and they actually went on and recommended me to two other clients who then became paying customers. Okay. So it wasn't that they didn't believe in it. They just really didn't have the time or they bought it and thought that they would put the effort into it. Um, yeah, exactly. And I think ever since then, we've been having people moan at us about a done view service. <laughs> so people always say, Can you, sounds great. Sounds amazing. Could you just do it for me? Um, and then the other one I get is, oh, well, it's so easy for you because you've got a team there behind you. And it's like, well, point number one, I didn't always, you know, I was the guy sat at the kitchen table at 2 a.m. editing the podcast so that people could listen to it on the morning commute to work. You know, yeah. <laughs> I've been there, done that, wore the T-shirt. That's how we got to this place. Um, but, you know, I think when 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 we sat back and realized that what people were actually saying was it sounds great, but we're still nervous to take that step. Even with you holding our hand, mm -hmm. we knew that there had to be a, an interim. So initially the done for you service was never going to be for anything more than three months ever. It was going to be three months done for you. You'll get your money back. You know what you're doing. It's now working for you. And now we're going to teach you how to do it because you've seen it. And it's kind of a stabilizers on your push bike kind of deal. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, it's not worked like that though, because everybody we've offered this to so far has just gone, can we do 12 months? Can we do, can we do 12 months done for you? And it's like, yeah, you all just want me to do it for you, don't you? It's like, mm-hmm. Well, I suppose, that, anyway, that's understandable <laughs> if you're better at it than them, but, 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 but it's terrible. Mm -hmm. um, right, so it's, it's um, I, I always make, uh, ask a uh, difficult question, I've got a jingle for it and everything. So, um, yeah, so I'll, I'll just get the jingle out first. Right. 
um, mystery to tell. Oh, here we go. Let's use some light. Like this. That's it. Yeah, there you go. How's that? <laughs> That's cool. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'll do it one more time. Difficult question. How's that? Do you like it? So, That's very good. So, the difficult question is it's not Thank you. Um, what, what are they getting? Give, give us an example for what, what, what people are getting when they pay you. Good question. Um, literally the blueprint to how I've done what I did in business and you can do the same. So whether you're a brand or whether you're a business, it is essentially the business cheat codes. It is a, here's how you boost your reputation and credibility and do it for whatever it is you want to do it for. You want to do it so you only work four hours a week because your credibility allows that fine you want to do it so you could open 10 new offices internationally fine you want to be in movies i mean just speak on the biggest stages we are now it's madness um do it you know it's that's what you get you get us and our support to say here's the blueprint as to how you use global networking and podcasting monetize your business development process win more clients and have more fun i've got another difficult question you ready and Go on. Difficult question number two. So, um, what about the, the, the idea that you know, arguably many people have got sort of blueprint fatigue, haven't they? That yeah, often, yeah, I agree. Me too. Yeah, they often get stuff from you know, very nefarious people. Um, yeah, on the internet who say that it's a blueprint for this, a blueprint for that, and make agreed and so on. So, um, well, how do you um, ensure that people don't perceive you that way? I guess it's all based on reputation, isn't it? So it's the, it's the people who work with us and the people who kind of put their name to what we do and come forward and say, this is working for us. This is how we use it. Because mm. um, I, could, I could be full of nonsense. I could be completely full of nonsense. But, you know, when I talk about a blueprint, you know, we were saying this earlier, I'm a qualified surveyor. So when I talk about a blueprint, I literally mean a blueprint. I, I'm talking about how do you take this down to its simplest form so that I know that if, you have five of these, it equates to five of these, which means 10 of these. Mm. I'm that guy. I need to have that process. Mm. So <laughs> it wasn't just that it worked. That wasn't, that wasn't enough. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I've been sat in first class lounges and you know, paid to go and speak in, in China. It's the like, biggest events in the world, tech events in the world. And all of this came about via podcasting. And I've been at two Champions League finals because of podcasting. Oh, um, hotel upgrades you name it right all because of podcasting right. and i was always fascinated with it's working but why is it working like how is it working how can i be how can i make this more efficient more importantly mm. um so how do i do this now what do i need to put in place to make sure that if i want more of that that i'll be weeding them out here and i'm doing this here and and then it became about the whole value add piece. I'm a firm believer in the person who adds the most value wins. So whenever we do a guest podcast, we give a media pack to our guests and say, here you go. Here's the podcast, clips, sounds, audio bites, off you go with your marketing team. Mm. Why? Because they're desperate to have something else to pump out to their mailing list and their audience. Mm. It's also great for you because they're pumping out your interview and links back to your, your podcast. Yeah. So it's a win-win situation. I just... I think when you realize how much people really do need to be spoon fed in terms of a 
don't send the podcast link to some department, you know, marketing department and expect them to do it. Send them the media pack with the sound bites and the clips and say, post these over the next few days. Mm. Then it's far more likely to happen and everybody wins as a result. Mm. Um, so um, apologies in advance, uh, listeners who um, think I'm talking about football. I'm not really, but you said that you're a Liverpool fan. Um, I am. The Anfield Wrap, what an amazing business they built through podcasting. 100%. So isn't that, isn't that a great example? Really? So fanzines and fancasts, for example, are, are really close to my heart. I got involved with them about 10 years ago when it was just starting to become a thing and you know, made some money from it during my time as well and, and learned a lot through that whole experience. But you are absolutely nail on the head there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and think about people who grew podcasts into now TV channels as well. So, I mean, the obvious one is Arsenal Fan TV. Arsenal Fan TV are now always on TV. They're always now, they're almost being pundits on Sky these days. And I think I've actually seen a couple of them on BT. That started off a few fans who go to the game, having a rant about a podcast afterwards and then jumping on during the week to record something. Mm. And it's become, they now get paid to follow their team. They now get paid to chill out with their mates and just have a rant on, on microphone and people love them for it. Um, yeah they are absolutely hilarious but this is the point it's like how many great conversations are people having all day every day up and down the country but globally that other people would be interested in hearing Mm. Um, why not do a mutually beneficial piece of content you know to the point now where i'm not even shameless about it i love it like it's it's if we're having a great conversation and i'm on the phone to somebody i always get to the point where it's like stop talking we just need to record like because this is all like brilliant stuff and it would really benefit my listeners hearing to you talking about this but actually you would actually get customers of it as a result because they're going to be interested in what you're saying mm, so who isn't interested in that kind of conversation excuse me mate i'd like to introduce more people to your brand so that you could be more successful so all right mm. no i'm not interested <laughs> and again, I'm not talking about fo- football. Honestly, I'm not, not talking about football. But um, how did you manage to get the uh, Champions League? Um, <laughs> Good question. Uh, uh, I mean, I just think about people who don't like football and uh, this kind of gig, if you like. Um, yeah. Well, it's not just that. I mean, I've literally done it for everything: hotels, flight upgrades, restaurants that are overbooked, music events, you name it. Mm. Um, and it's it's always the same way. You problem solution, right? Who has the problem before an event takes place that they need to publicize it? The event managers, directors, and the people whose job it is to publicize it. Mm. So what do you give them? You give them publicity. Mm. You give them a ground to come and talk about how amazing the event's going to be or (laughs) whatever it is that they're doing. So one of the Champions League final ones, for example, this was a year before last, I believe. So it was... I was struggling with flights really badly, like really badly. Um, so I decided I was just going to get a ticket when I was out there. You know how it goes. Mm. So I was going to get myself out there and just sort of ticket. So I decided that because I had quite a few fans across my network that I was going to do a podcast interview with one of the companies who were providing a tailor-made service, which included a chartered flight from this private flight that they, they booked for, for just them and tickets to the game and a meal beforehand. So I gave them some publicity and I gave it a push out and I used some automated LinkedIn messages to message a few wealthy reds that I know to say, hey, I did this interview. If you haven't sorted your ticket out yet, sort this. I think he sold four or five off the back of it. So uh, he said to me, listen, um, we should still have some space. I'm going to let you know. Um, 
but given you've done us a solid, we'll get you on this flight. And I was like, thank you so much. So I've just sorted myself a flight out there. Absolutely. Got onto the flight and he, he hands me a ticket. And he was like, one of the lads can't come. He's stuck on the train from such and such a place. So he's not going to be coming. It's his brother's ticket. And I was like, are you sure? And he's like, well, there's no one else going to be taking it. Son, you can have it. And I was like, there you go. So now I've got a flight and a ticket because I did a podcast. Mm. Wow. That's, that's such a great story. Do you think that it's really important to be clear about your goals when you start a, a podcast then? It's really important to be clear about your goals anyway, but I think I, I feel slightly differently about goals and, and about how, how you start your podcast if I'm honest. So, go, so goals in general for me are, I know where I want to go, but I'm, I'm okay not knowing how I'm going to get there. Yeah. Um, I think too many people get stuck on, it has to look the way they think it has to look. Mm. So they end up feeling like they're swimming against the tide because they're trying to make it look and feel a certain way. Meanwhile, if they just went with the flow a little bit more, you know, they would find this this new thing that was waiting for them that was amazing. And, and when you realize that, it's quite powerful. So yes, I truly believe in goals because I believe they're what gets you out of bed. Um, but don't plan the roadmap if that makes sense don't try and plan every step because you, you're not going to be able to know i think when you're planning your podcast it's got to start with your audience and then your value add mm -hmm. so who is it you're trying so you have to know at least one of the things don't you? you either need to know who you're talking to as a guest or who your audience are that you're trying to help you have to know at least one of those things and then you start building from there mm -hmm. okay how can i add more value to that ceo of that company Okay, now from that show, the conversation that we will have will be this, this, and this, which will be beneficial for both of us. Who would be interested in hearing about that and who already has an audience like that? Mm. Now you're off, you've started the podcast already. Now you build from there. And then all you have to do is have something to say and find the right guests and the rest You is don't even need to have something to say. Exactly. Just, you know, just, hey, I really like what you do. You have an incredible profile. Tell me who you are, how you got here, and what your business does. That'll fill a good 35 minutes. I mean, I, I find that the, the bits at the start, the intro and the outro, are really easy. <laughs> all, you, all you have to do is add some sound effects, say something really short, and say something mm -hmm. really short with the sound effect. Bob's your uncle. You know, it's the bit in between that's meaningful, and, and that's the, the bit that sort of falls into place. I'll tell you one of the great side products, like the, the, the byproducts that come from a podcast as well. We've all worked with those clients that we really wish we hadn't, you know, the ones that were a real pain in the backside. And they were usually the ones, weren't we, if we're honest with ourselves, that we had a bit of a niggle. We, we had a feeling that they'd be a pain. It's always the ones that you bend over backwards for or give a big discount to that end up being a massive pain in the, yeah. right? Let me tell you about podcasting. It practically 100% eradicates that because if you spend 30, 45, 60 minutes with somebody, you're going to know whether you resonate with them or whether you don't. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, then you thank them for their time. You enjoy the piece of content. You learn what you can from it and you thank lucky stars, God, the universe that you've just avoided one of those big pain in the backside clients because that person wasn't right for you. Yes. Whereas you will now go on and speak to another 10 people who you just think, where have you been all my life? Like where our business is going to have so much fun together. Like we can do this and you can do this and it's going to be beautiful. Yeah. And you love them for it and they love you for it. And they're the relationships that get you out of bed. Because mm. then it's, it, there has to be something beyond money because when you've made enough money 
Uh, and, and everybody thinks billions, millions, whatever. When, when you have enough money that you don't need to look at your bank account anymore, there needs to be another reason other than money as to why you get out of bed to do something. Mm. And if you genuinely have built a podcast based around your passion, what you love to do, resonating with other people that have a similar passion and some shared interests, you're going to love what you do. I mean, it's what time is it? It's nine o'clock at night. You know, I've been working since five o'clock this morning. Mm. I love this stuff. I'll talk about this all day long. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, and I think at the other end, if you if if, if it you can't hide um, the fact that if you are doing a podcast just to make money, that'll come across. When exactly. That. I, I, yeah. I'm so glad that you said that. So I always say to people, you can monetize this podcast, but it can't be the reason why you're doing it for the exact reason that you just said. It doesn't come across as genuine. Mm. Whereas if you are a value add podcast that's about your passion and about enjoyable conversations that other people will learn, there are endless routes as to how you monetize that through the guests that you're interviewing, doing deals with them, through sponsors who are interested in talking to a certain type of audience, the adverts that you can put out, the selling products, subscriptions, memberships. I have a friend of mine, I started working with him many years ago, a long time ago, longer than I'd care to admit. Um, he's a fair few years older than me. And about four years ago, I convinced him that he should start doing this podcast thing. Now, he's a VC, but one of his other businesses is a recruitment-to-recruitment recruitment firm, quite high-level recruitment-to-recruitment firm. And I said to him, honestly, brother, it is an incredible way of finding candidates because you get to speak to people, build relationships with them, see who's worthy of conversations. And it's about matchmaking. You know that client really well. Now matchmake them with a person that you know equally as well and use the podcasting for that. So he did, and it worked really, really well. So about 18 months ago, he told all of his listeners that it was now going private and you had to pay a monthly subscription to listen to the podcast because of the information that was being contained in there. This was now too valuable to just go out free on the air because people are getting into in-depth conversations about the industry and they're talking about how they've succeeded and their growth and business development strategies and marketing strategies that anybody else in their right mind would be charging thousands of dollars to teach people. Mm. So he's like, okay, so you pay a monthly subscription to come and listen to it. And his business is booming. Like people fight a path to get to his door. Like being on his show is now like a status thing in the industry of, yeah, not only was I on the show, I was on his private network. And mm. I was one of his, yeah, I was one of the first interviews of the month, you know, talking about this, this and this. And it's seen as a real pride thing. Um, I mean, how clever is that? Well, it goes back to what you said before about it, it, it matters less how many listeners you have. It, it's about the quality of the listeners and how engaging. 110%. 110%. And, and do you know what? I, I love podcasting for that very reason. I mean, you get to meet so many awesome people from all around the world. I mean, I met one of the uh, stars from The Secret Movie. And obviously, that movie reached like 500 million people. And I met one of them got on like a house on fire with them, asked that very powerful question, who else do you know that could help me with this? And they literally opened their phone book. And now I'm literally working with about 80% of the people from the secret movie. I'm working with most of the people from the most recent movie, which is how thoughts become things. Mm. We're doing, uh, we're working with three or four of them exclusively to do live events across Africa and India, COVID permitting. We're supposed to be doing seven towards the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, this is, this, is, this is incredible, but this all came about because of podcasting. Yeah. You know, I won the CBRE contract and beat other people hands down because of podcasting. Mm. I got given the exclusive license to the Federation, even though there was only five of us in the company at the time. And the competitor I was going up against employs like a couple of hundred people across five offices. We won because we did a podcast and more people signed up for the Federation 
because they'd listened to the podcast. Mm. So technically, we already had some chips to cash in. Mm. And it, podcasting doesn't show any signs of slowing down. It's like quite the opposite. Quite the opposite, yeah. In fact, if anything, it's growing year on year. Advertising and sponsorship alone, just in the United States, uh, is set to be a $1 billion industry next year. Mm. Um, and that's just the advertising and sponsorship in just the United States. Now, there's two stats I always like to tell people that kind of give you an indication of how quick this is growing, okay? So we do a lot of work across Africa. The number of podcasters across Africa doubled last year, which is an amazing stat anyway, when you consider that they're still now only at the stage that the United States were with podcasting in 2003. So there's a 17-, 18-year period worth of growth there in terms of the podcast market. So let me explain what that actually means in terms of doing business. It means that we're getting people to number one for their podcasting and using it as a business development tool, getting them onto the Forbes list, all this kind of stuff just with the podcasting, okay? And we're doing that across the West. We're doing it in the States. We're doing it in the UK. Except every time we do it in one of those places, especially the States, we always have competitors in the tens, if not the hundreds, every time without fail. Mm. In Africa and India, where it's 17, 18 years behind, that's more like three, never more than five. And that's three to five performing at a level 17, 18 years behind that that we're currently dominating. in. So it's like going back with the business cheat codes. It's like, you know, it's that daydream of how cool would it be if you could go back and invent the iPhone? It kind of is like that. It's like I'm turning up and it's like, do you want a website for your business? Because that's kind of like as ridiculous as this question is. Because if you don't want to take this bit of digital real estate and claim it for your own, when I'm showing you what's going to happen over the next, because it won't take 17, 18 years to get there, mm-hmm. that development's going to happen over the next five years if they continue to double podcasters each year. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking a long period of time here. We're talking in three to five years' time, podcasting isn't just going to be an essential marketing tool for your business. It's going to be an extremely expensive marketing tool for your business because it works so well and there'll be so many people doing it that you'll have to pay out the nose just like you do with anything else, SEO, AdWords, all this kind of stuff just to stand out. And that's, that's a shame because the people who do it now and build organically will be rewarded for that. Mm. And of course the ultimate magic of podcasts is not that they podcasts give you the gift of time. Don't they? You know, they can listen to podcasts while you're doing the ironing, you know, anything you want while you're going jogging. And uh, fill your head with you know, information, amusement, whatever it is you want to fill it with. It's awesome. Isn't it? I, I really love podcasts. I mean, I, I'm blessed now that obviously I get to work with lots of businesses and lots of brands in helping them to create their podcasts. And I mean, I love this stuff. It's what gets me out of bed. But it, more importantly than that, it's, it's, a, it's, a deep, it's a deep thirst for knowledge. But it's also not just about me. Like, it's not like a selfish scholar. It's like, I want to learn it and share it with other people. I want other people to learn it at the same time that I'm learning it. I want us to do this together. Um, you know, I always talk about the roller coaster businesses and say that, you know, for a long time, I was exactly like that. I would have large sums of money and then I'd do no business development because I was just delivering. Mm. And then I'd have no business again. So I'd have to go up and down, up and down. Mm. And when you realize how many small business owners, you know, and even medium-sized businesses are in that problem with cash flow and that, that peaks and troughs. And you realize that actually podcasting is a phenomenal way to avoid that because there's constantly communication going on. There's evergreen content. I mean, I have physically had calls from people emotional during the COVID period saying, I 
cannot thank you enough for the work that's happened with the podcast. Day. We've continued to sell during COVID. Our competitors are making everybody redundant and they're, they're being furloughed and they're probably not going to reopen. We've got more orders than we know what to do with because when people are Googling for solutions, Google, as you will have seen time and again, pushes content. Yeah. So if you've got podcasts out there, that's what they're going to see. And if they, they're looking for a particular answer to a question and your podcast answers it, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. It's what, it's what we're all paying for. It's why we all pay for SEO and AdWords and Facebook ads. And Well, Google can treat, tweak their algorithms as much as they want, but if the content is good quality and of value, then uh, as you said, content is king. I mean, I know it's- content is king. And, and as you'll see, I mean, you, you go and Google search anything after this. The first two to three posts are the sponsored ads at the top. The next bit is the media column. Yeah. So the first bit that it shows you is media. It's trying to get you to engage. Mm. Um, there's a website I'll leave you with. And I, and I absolutely love this website. And, and I would highly suggest you use it. And I would definitely recommend your listeners go as well. Um, it's called alsoasked.com. Yes. Okay. Oh, my days, that thing's. I mean, where was that all my life? So... That is a, how would you describe it? It's, it's a reverse uh, Google search tool, which essentially allows you to do a keyword search for a particular subject in a certain location. And it will tell you the most commonly asked questions to do with that subject. Now that alone is an incredible marketing tool. So let's say you ignore me completely. Okay. You don't go and do podcasting. You think I'm nuts and you don't want to do any of that. Fine. At least do yourself a massive favor and follow this piece of advice. Okay. Go and do this also ask search for your industry, for your business, for your customers, okay? And find at least 30 of the most commonly asked questions that are being asked by your customers, okay? And now create, I don't care if it's a podcast, a video, a blog, I mean, preferably not a blog, preferably some sort of video or audio content, but just create something short, it can be less than three minutes if you want to, answering that question and put it on your website and have it loaded and then you can ring me in a month and thank me because of the amount of traffic that you're now getting from your website because google will push that answer every single time and when it realizes that people like that answer and have a scooter around your website guess what the algorithm now says we need to send even more people there because they're liking that answer and they're staying on that website Wow, Phil Pelucha, it's been such an inspiration talking to you. I've really appreciated the, appreciated your time, but also you're talking about giving value as a podcast or in a podcast. You've certainly done that uh, by the thank you so much. Today, so thank you so much, and uh, we will uh, talk again soon. I know we will because there's plenty of people who I'd like you to to meet actually based on this podcast. So hundred uh, percent, definitely be in touch. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. Thanks for listening. Wasn't Phil amazing? Now, if you're interested in an EdTech networking event, please click on the link on the show notes. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Take care now. See you later. Well, if you're going to play Chaz and Dave, it really is game over.